Hello, my name is Martin Ellis and welcome to this, the second podcast in the four-part series, An Introduction to Business Diversification for SMEs. This second podcast looks at the underlying process of diversification and the key issue of the core business's role in diversification. The abilities and status of the core business, that is to say your existing business, is essential to the success of diversification because it's the base from which your diversification will start and upon which, at least initially, it will totally depend. So one analogy is to think of diversification as like the process of having a new child with the core business as the parent. So bear with me while I work with that analogy for you. So it all starts with conception, the decision to diversify. This is a crucial stage, choosing the right time and the right diversification strategy. Do not go just straight with the first idea that you come up with. Make sure you go outside of the business and proactively look for fresh ideas, ask around and learn to think laterally. Too many diversification strategies fail because they lack a clearly defined, substantial and proven opportunity. Think about grand strategies, not just battle ones. Come up with a short list of potential diversification opportunities and then investigate them thoroughly before finally choosing. Research as many ideas as you need until you find the best one. It's better to spend a few thousand pounds on market research to find out that your idea is a non-starter than to spend ten times that amount launching into a new venture that then fails six months later. Remember these wise words. Market research is the contraceptive that stops the wrong diversification seed being sown. So if the research cannot prove a good case for your diversification idea, don't do it. Go back to the other ideas and follow the cycle again. If you've already decided your strategy without going through the research and validation phase, I do implore you to go back and revisit it. I know this sounds obvious, but this is where mistakes are made all of the time. If your idea is to sell your products or services to a new market then go and talk to that market about them. Find the customers you'll want to sell to and talk to them about that opportunity. Find out what gaps you could fill, what problem customers want solving, and with whom and with what you're competing with. Check out the state of the market. Make sure the opportunity is what you think it is and that the window of opportunity will be open long enough for you to climb in and achieve what you want to achieve. If you can't create a viable customer value proposition and you can't find an effective competitive strategy, then change tack. Check it all out, do the sums and set your expectations realistically. Okay, so now we've conceived. So the next stage is pregnancy. The truth is strong, healthy parents are more likely to have strong, healthy children. This is why businesses in crisis tend not to be good diversification parents. You should never have a new child to try to save a failing marriage. If the core business needs work doing to it, then do that first. The core business must not only be able to keep itself going, but also give sustenance to the new venture. If the core business is failing due to poor management, poor production, or poor marketing, These problems won't magically cure themselves simply because you've diversified. They will multiply the problems to dangerous levels and condemn your new venture to a failure. Remember, 
your core business has evolved and grown, often over a considerable period of time. For example, shortcomings in marketing and sales may well have been masked over by market growth and demand pulling the business along. Business owners and managers are often steeped in experience and knowledge about their core business, and that counts for a great deal. But when you diversify, you don't have that same time horizon. You don't necessarily have the track record or the experience. So your business skills will be tested to a far greater extent and much more quickly. And if you're found lacking, you will fail. This is also the time when the parent should be preparing for parenthood. Now, in business terms, this means resourcing the new operation, planning the launch and making sure you know all you need to know about managing the new business activity. Humans take nine months to develop their offspring. Just how long you need to plan and prepare your diversification will, of course, depend on many factors. But however long it takes to do it, don't rush. Premature births are risky and require a huge amount of often expensive postnatal care. Launch when you are good and when you are ready. Okay, so now at last we give birth. The big event, the joyous event. Most births involve a fair amount of pain for the parent and diversification ventures are often no different. If this is the first delivery of diversification, it could be even more painful. And sadly, there's no gas and air or epidurals available for businesses. Whatever the diversification strategy, you will need to plan for when it starts and be prepared to rush in with support if things don't go quite as planned. Always have something in reserve for emergencies. Don't make giving birth to a new venture the last thing that the company does. Once born and growing, the new child will still rely on the parent for support. It will need love, guidance, support and of course protection. Money isn't everything, but it sure helps and will buy most things the parent cannot give themselves. Most parents can't afford to stop their day job to look after a new child, but you will need to find quality time, particularly in the formative period. Children who suffer from lack of parental attention rarely do well. You will, of course, need to have allowed for this extra time and expenditure in your planning. And don't be surprised if things take much longer than you'd really expected. Unlike with real children, there's no state-sponsored care education system to look after your diversification when you are back working at your old job. Remember that both the child and the parent are both on a steep learning curve first time out, and a great deal is new to them both. It takes time to assimilate to this new order. As the child grows, their dependencies will also change, and new parenting skills will be needed to cope with their growth. For example, extra cash to cover their cash flow. If part of the plan is that the diversification will become truly self-sufficient, then you need to have a clear set of objectives for when this will be. In my experience, diversifications rarely break even within 12 months and often take years to hit profit. It is well worth doing a good return on investment calculation to see what you're letting yourself in for and do a few sensitivity calculations to see what happens if the new venture under or overperforms against the target. However, I suggest you never do an ROI on real children, or believe me, you would never risk procreating. Okay, I think I've worked that analogy about as far as I can. Hopefully, one of the key things you've got from that is that the core business needs to be in pretty good shape in order to support the diversification. 
That will, of course, depend greatly on the scale of diversification as to just how strong the core needs to be. For example, simply buying in and trying to sell a new product to your existing customers is a pretty lightweight diversification, whereas setting up a new manufacturing plant to become a supplier to your own business is a whole different ballgame. So let's look at what makes a good core business for diversification. To start with, the core needs to have a clear vision and goals for the diversification. It must be part of a bigger vision which encompasses the whole organisation. Clarity over the bigger picture of what the business will look like in years to come can be a major influencing factor on the development of the diversification. Secondly, there needs to be a synergy between the core and the diversification. A synergy being described as when the interaction of two or more entities combine to give a greater effect than the sum of the separate effects. Or in other words, when 1 plus 1 equals 3. Ideally, the core diversifies in such a way as to create synergy. The generation of an increased effect is necessary to compensate for the energy exhausted in diversification. In practice, this usually means finding a diversification strategy that has benefits to the core business. Synergies are often found in areas such as sales, being able to share the same customers, branding, the same channels of marketing and distribution, and even the same sales team. Operationally, being able to share and absorb some of the overhead costs of the core business, e.g. using the same building, the same accounts department, the same marketing team, or the same warehousing. Capital investment, such as being able to utilise existing investment in plant machinery and systems. Perhaps intellectual property, being able to exploit existing technical innovation, existing patents, market knowledge or design and know-how of the core company. And of course management, being able to use the same management and skills. So make sure you check out where the synergies in your diversification strategy are. The more synergies, the better the chance of success. Of course, all new ventures will need money and the financial strength of the core business can be the difference between success and failure. There's certainly no substitute for having cash in reserve. Cash to cover both the eventuality of the diversification taking off more slowly than planned or conversely, it taking off more quickly. At the very least, you need to be adequately funded to cover the business plan and the forecasts that you've made. I cannot stress enough the need to do the sums before committing to any new venture and to have proper financial forecasts that are very realistic. Even risk takers need to be prudent about cash as the fund can stop very quickly without it. You already know, I'm sure, that the most commonly reported reason for business failure is not lack of sales or profitability, but simply having run out of cash. Whilst it might go against the grain, keeping your bank informed about your plans, it's no bad thing and they're more likely to respond positively to requests for cash when they have prior knowledge of what you're doing. Now if you're planning to raise external investment to fund your diversification, then everything I've already told you about researching, validation, doing the numbers and finding the synergies will all be crucial to creating your pitch deck and your business plan. Okay, the culture of the business is also a key factor in diversification. In my experience, businesses fall into two camps, those that are risk-averse and those that are risk-takers. The risk-averse types tend to vary along a scale which goes from prudently cautious to being paralysed. 
whereas the risk-takers tend to range from being mildly adventurous to being barking mad. It seems unlikely that any paralysed company will even be listening to a podcast on diversification, nor to the barking mad types who just leap into doing things without ever studying the subject. So I'm probably talking now to those people who make up the rest. Hi. The key is to develop within the company a culture of experimentation, and within that a culture that supports calculated risk. Calculated risks are those that when all the forecasts are done and the sensitivity analysis completed, still offer a probability of success better than 50%. Just how much better than 50% it needs to be will also depend on where you sit on the risk scale. The fact that risk and therefore gambling is involved also prompts the thought that placing all your hopes and money on just one bet might in itself be the wrong strategy. I would suggest if the probabilities are low, that you seek higher risk return options or be prepared to roll the dice a few more times. It's worth remembering that failure is actually just a signpost on the road to success because business is all about risk and nothing ventured, nothing gained. Being totally risk adverse is often as bad as being barking mad. Where the diversification is based substantially around using the existing capabilities of the core business, then the whole company and its business partners need to be informed about the diversification. They need to be told what they can expect to happen and how it influences them and how they can best support the new venture. In larger companies, it's worth checking out if you've got any existing employees who've got relevant experience from former employment. Good communication about the new venture and how it differs from existing practices is absolutely essential to success. Dependent on the diversification approach, serious consideration needs to be given to how the company will be structured to manage it. Diversifications that become an extra job, just added on to existing staff responsibilities, are likely to fail for what seems to be obvious reasons. However, let me tell you that I see this happening all the time. Many good ideas fail due to the lack of reorganisation and allocation of quality time to people to work on it. Now, dependent on the nature and scale of things, the setting up of a new department or even a division should be considered, possibly even a new business. The new venture will need championing from the very top of the company and will need dedicated resource that can focus on learning the new skills required for the new business. This applies even if we're only talking about opening up a new market for existing products. Okay, so that's it for podcast two. I hope you're still with me and keen to find out more. In podcast three, I'll start to look at the different forms of diversification in more detail and at some of the businesses who've succeeded with each of them. So until then, thank you for listening.